One of the things as you learn to live life and as you experience life, you begin to realize that things don't always go according to plan. Someone said, if things went according to plan, a lot of us wouldn't even be here, okay? (laughs) And how true that is. But um, there are often many times that things, from our perspective, it's like they just completely, the bottom dropped out and they fell apart. The psalm that we're looking at is a psalm, the first psalm that's identified as a psalm of David. And you note, there's a note probably in your Bible, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom. In 2 Samuel chapter 15 and 16, David was king, but he had some very traumatic and humiliating events that took place when his son Absalom led a revolt revolt against him. David had reigned for decades as one of the most powerful monarchs in the world. His military prowess was legendary. He extended Israel's dominion far beyond its borders. He became fabulously wealthy living in a palace of breathtaking splendor. He had absolute authority of life and death, and um, no one desired to get on his bad side. But then David sinned with Bathsheba and ordered the death of her husband Uriah. And although David subsequently repented, and received forgiveness when the prophet Nathan had confronted him, David's sin set in motion a series of God-ordained, devastating consequences. For example, David's oldest son, Amnon, raped his half-sister, Tamar. Can you imagine how that affected David. I mean, the, the impact of that. Tamar's brother, Absalom, then took revenge, was angry at Amnon for raping his sister and took revenge and killed Amnon. And then Absalom fled in exile um, for several years. Later he was permitted to return But after he returned, David did not speak to his wayward son for two years. So, I mean, think of all the reality of that, not just as a matter of hearing this. Think of this in a real-life situation, a a family shattered and broken and, and immorality and murder and broken relationships right here. Um, and the resentment built in Absalom's heart. His father wasn't speaking to him, and Absalom began to court the disgruntled people of, of the nation, offering himself to them as a more sympathetic leader, one that would, um, 
would lead better. And finally, Absalom pieced together a, a conspiracy, and David realized that in order to survive, he had to flee the capital immediately with those that still supported him, many of them that he thought were on his side, um, betrayed him and went with Absalom. And so his servants and their little ones hastily grabbed what they could and took off from Jerusalem into the wilderness. And, and David followed them weeping and and in a sign of brokenness, uh, he had his head covered and and walking in shame. And then we read to add insult to injury, a man named Shimei uh, of, of the family of King Saul, David's predecessor, came by and started cursing David, threw stones at him, accused him of being a worthless, good-for-nothing man that brought the downfall upon Israel, and it was all because of David's bloodshed, his adultery and the bloodshed of Uriah. So, here's David's life. This is what he's experiencing. No longer the king in power and authority. Now he's, he's running for his life from a rebellious son. And um, his life is falling apart all around him. You wouldn't think that in a situation like this we would find then recorded a psalm that God preserves for us, and that's what we find in Psalm 3. It's a morning psalm. Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 are um, a couplet of psalms. Psalm 3 is the morning psalm that he prayed in the morning and psalm or sang in the morning. And Psalm 4 is the evening psalm. For the sake of time, we're just going to look at Psalm 3 today. They are They have many similarities, but you may want to read Psalm 4 as well today. But notice how David begins this psalm. Lord... How have they increased who trouble me? Now remember, this is a, this is a real life situation. There is a rebellion going on in the land and everything went from wonderful as a king and you are the king to now he's fleeing the city, um, for his own life. And he says, Lord, how are they increased who trouble me? Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. You notice David's trouble that he's in. Many are rising up against him. And the bottom line is they say there is no help for him in God. This is the lie that Satan likes to use against all God's children. And, and, and certainly, 
it can be used against us because we all have things in our lives that make us to be unworthy. David knew in his conscience that he had given some ground for this exclamation because of the sins that he'd committed against God. And they were throwing up in his face his crime with Bathsheba. Shimei said, go up, thou bloody man. God has forsaken you. So everything that is going on around David, it looks like there is no help for me right now in God. And in his heart and mind, he could have very easily believed that. Have you ever been to a point in your life where you looked at your life and your own conscience maybe even was saying, there is no help for you in God? Those times come in life. And this is what David was, was facing Certainly, and, and, and it's clear that none of us are worthy of God's help. And do not think for a moment because you get God's help that that means you are worthy. God's help is all a gift of His mercy. Mercy means we are not worthy. And in understanding this, there is no help for him in God. That's exactly where Satan wants you to be. <clears throat> to think that there is no help for you in God. But David's life was completely in disarray. And, and the bottom had completely fallen out. And then David comes with his cry out to God in verse 3. <clears throat> so, from one moment, they are saying, and even my conscience can be saying, there is no help for me in God. <clears throat> and then David turns. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory... <clears throat> And the one who lifts up my head, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. The psalm starts with David's cry. Many are they that rise up against me. He's pleading for help. But now David is crying out to God with a voice that is not just one single prayer. This is his heart. It's his way of life. And he says, you, O Lord, are a shield for me. Notice David comes back and he's um, reminding himself who God is. The term that he uses here, <clears throat> you are a shield for me. In the original, it signifies more than just a shield. It's a a buckler that completely surrounds him, a protection that um, he is able to be in, so to speak, that wards off the fiery darts of the wicked when the storms of the trial come. So David is saying, God, 
even my own heart could say there's no help, and they're saying there's no help, but I know who you are, God. You are a shield for me. You are a protection for me. You are a buckler to help me. You are my glory. When David says, you are my glory, he's saying, God, you are the object of my praise. You are the object of my adoration. You are my joy. And when he says, you are the one, you are the lifter up of my head, meaning, I, I am like unto dead, but you alone protect me. You alone are my glory, my joy, my adoration, and you alone are my life. And so David gives an accurate portrayal of his life now, but then he turns his attention from that and he comes back to God and he turns his focus toward God and he cries out to God and David knew that God alone was the restorer of his joy, the lifter up of his head. Spurgeon said, we need not fear a frowning world while we rejoice in a prayer-hearing God. And that's exactly where David was right here. Everything around him was coming against him. And David, in the midst of this danger, he said, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Verse 4, David, in danger, cried out to God. God graciously heard him. And David goes on and records the answers of grace that were given strengthening himself, as we'll see as we go on, strengthening his faith by the deliverances that he's had in the past. So David, not just as a a cry out to God, but as a, a testimony of his life, God, you are my life. And then notice, verse 4, he heard me from his holy hill. Again, this is a morning psalm, and so he's testifying back. He said, last night I lay down and I slept, and I awoke because the Lord sustained me. Think back to the times when you've laid down and you weren't able to sleep. Stuff was going on in your life. And you were not able to sleep. Probably the stuff going on in your life, um, most of it perhaps did not compare to what's going on in your life. You probably didn't have someone hunting your life, threatening to kill you. But there certainly come things in life that rob us of our sleep. And our heart is is troubled and our heart is filled with anxiety, and David, in a prime opportunity to be filled with that, said, God, I cried unto you, and I laid me down and slept, for the Lord sustained me. 
He said, so I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me. The psalmist also said in Psalm 127 in verse 2, It is vain for you to rise up early and sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows. He said, what good does it do? To get up real early and, and fret and stew about everything that's wrong and then to stay up way late into the night and fret and stew and worry and be filled with anxiety. He said, it's vain for you to do that. David, on the other hand, said, I cried unto the Lord. He heard me. I laid me down and slept because the Lord sustained me. Have there been times when the pressures of life rob you of sleep that you've known the reality of saying, God, you alone are the lifter up of my head. And God, you said that you give your beloved sleep. It's vain what I'm doing here. And God, I am trusting you to sustain me. And have you ever known then the peace that only God gives? That you awake in the morning and you say, I did lay down and I did sleep. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I can remember vividly laying in bed and my mind's going and, and tossing and turning and God brought to mind, and lo, he giveth his beloved sleep. And I said, God, I, I'm, I'm not a testimony of that right now. And God, I, I need, I, I now bring this to you and actually leave it to him. Think how vain it is. I don't care if you lay in bed tossing and turning, fluffing the pillow up, tossing and turning, or if you get up and walk the hallway, walk the basement, go outside, and you're fretting and stewing and crying and crying and crying. How are you helped by that? But when you cast your burden on the Lord, He will sustain you. And David had peace because of the Lord. And he, he literally said that the Lord sustained me. Paul wrote this, the same principle in Philippians chapter 4. He said in verses 6 and 7 of Philippians 4, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You read uh, amazing, amazing accounts of individuals that um, were martyred. And... Um, 
Tonight I'll share an, an account of um, Saw Colosseum in Carthage where um, two ladies were martyred um, years and years ago. They came to martyrdom with great joy. They slept the night before. They laid down and slept before they were thrown to the gladiators and the wild animals. Why? They trusted God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which you cannot explain, it passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. David experienced great peace in the midst of horrific circumstances. And then you notice David's confidence with which he closes this psalm. Verse 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. David begins the psalm with many are those that rise up against me. He ends the psalm singing a song of praise to God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Not to limit it just to salvation of our souls that we have in faith in Jesus Christ. Literally, it means victory belongs to the Lord. And David is proclaiming victory, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Someone wrote, I would it were declared daily in our temples and sung in our streets and written on our doorpost and painted on <coughs> excuse me painted on our walls and cut into our very hearts that we would never forget that the victory belongs to the Lord courage comes from understanding that we have an divine all-powerful ally before whom all the enemies are nothing. And one man with God to back him is always the majority. And David realized, although the circumstances around him hadn't changed as yet, he realized what the end would be And he understood the battle belongs to the Lord and salvation is of the Lord. And with that, he had courage because he knew God was there to help. But he built it through his walk with God, through his cry to God. Let me just quickly make four applications from this for our psalm. 
Number one, there is trouble in this life. You cannot avoid it. There will be trouble. There will be things that happen that it will seem like the bottom is falling out. There will be difficulties in this life. God didn't come to to save us from those. He came to show us how to glorify Him through those difficulties. There is trouble in life as David experienced, and much of the trouble is of our own doing. But secondly, in trouble, you must know who God is and have a relationship with Him. David knew who God was. He said, God, you are my shield. You are my glory. You are the one that lifts up my head. David had a relationship. Listen, if, if you are not walking with God and the trouble comes in your life, it's pretty hard to have a cram course in a relationship with God. David walked with God. David knew the nature of God. From a shepherd boy, he knew the nature of God and he learned the heart of God And it was that that sustained him in the midst of everything falling apart. And in trouble, you you need to know who God is and have already established a walk with him. What that ought to speak to every one of us is say, man, I cannot wait until the trouble comes. I need Jesus. Now. Thirdly, only God gives peace. We get in our mind, if if this would happen, then then I'd be at peace. Or if, if I could rearrange this, then I'd be at peace. No, even in the midst of conflict, God can give peace. And in the midst of it, David was able to lay down, you know, I... I just picture in my mind, all this is going on and the king is fleeing and his servants and a few that were with him, they look and they see David go back in the cave or wherever. What's David doing? I just back and checked on him. He's sleeping. What? Yeah, he went back there. He laid down. He's sound asleep. You are him. Man, he's sawing the logs. How can that be? Our times are in his hand. And our fretting and our worrying and our conniving and our manipulating is all in vain. God is able to give peace and only God gives peace. You may have peaceful circumstances in your life, but unless God gives peace, there is no peace. It's not circumstances that bring peace. It's the number two. You know God and you have a relationship with Him, and because of that, you are able to have peace. 
You are able to rest in Him. And then the fourth application, victory is guaranteed in Christ. And, and we need, and we need to live like it, and we need to reflect that. There's a, a cheer that uh, teams do and and stadiums, whole stadiums will do that you're going to do right now, okay? So you, it's, it's real easy. You just repeat after me, okay? I, I, I believe. I believe that. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will. You don't act like you believe it. That's why we don't have peace. That's why we don't have victory. We act like the Democrats, Republicans, ISIS, everybody else. No! Victory is guaranteed in Christ. Do you, do you live like we're going to win. You know, this is a belief. There's times my teams have said that. The whole stadium said it, and we didn't win. But this time, it's guaranteed. It's, it's not based on our belief. It's based on this. And David came down, and in the midst of the rebellion of Absalom... He was able to sleep. He was able to be at peace. And he said, I know who wins. Don't let the scoreboard, so to speak, what it says right now, deceive you about who's going to win. We know that salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation is of God. And your blessing is upon your people. Understand that. And realize the battle belongs to the Lord. And He's already won the victory. And so, don't let the trouble in life cause you to be sideways with the world. In this world, you will have tribulation, he said. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And when the trouble comes, don't let it get you to think, I have no help for me and God. No, God is our only help. And we must run to Him based on a knowledge of Him and a walk with Him and a relationship with Him that is ever-growing. And then we can have the peace of God and look forward to the victory in Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would minister Your grace and peace in each life here. I pray if there are individuals here today that have never come to the salvation of you, Lord, I pray today that they would call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. 
And then, Lord, I pray for believers here today that are not walking in the peace of you. That are not resting in the victory of you. Lord, I pray that we would know what it is to walk with you, to cry out to you, to rest in you.